love that they think I'm going to fall off the stage, so they put this up here. That's good. Hey, we're under construction here. It's uh, BBS week, and so uh, if you haven't signed up to participate, we would love for you to participate, whether that's 30 minutes or an hour, whatever, participate as a volunteer, as an adult. We'd love it. There's already over 100 kids registered, and we know there will be more coming, so um, you will be needed and we would love for you to be here. So today we're doing a preview or a trailer. You've seen them. You go to a movie and they have previews of the movies coming or trailers of the movies coming. And that's kind of what we're doing today. We're going to be starting a new series next week entitled God at the Movies. And so as cool as it is decorated this week, I love it. Next week, this is going to be a movie theater. We're going to trans- transform it into that because over the next few weeks, we're going to be doing this series, God at the Movies. And we'll be telling you, hey, here's the movie coming up. You can go home, watch it, ask questions, dive into it. And Because uh, what we want to do is have you think about how we are influenced by media around us. And one of the things that I want you to grasp is that we should be deep thinkers and wide in how we love. And so this next series is we're really going to be attacking our worldview. And because our worldview impacts how we think, it impacts our beliefs, and it also impacts our behaviors. One of the things that I do on the side just for fun is I teach college courses, and one of the college courses that I teach is a course entitled Worldviews, and one of the things that we want students to walk away from that course is, it's a beginning course, is that they understand what a biblical worldview is. And unfortunately, about 99% walk in thinking they have a, a, a biblical worldview and realize pretty quickly they do not. And what I would say is that's probably true here as well is that there are things in our life, things that we've read, things that we've watched, things that whatever that we've taken in that we think um, about, and they impact our behavior, they impact our thoughts that aren't actually truly biblical. And so one of the things I hear all the time is, hey, that's just karma, right? And so sometimes we're just meaning that in jest, but sometimes we actually mean that's karma. And so what does that mean? And those kind of different things. And so what I want us to grasp is, is that as followers of Jesus, we should not check our brains at the door. There's actually a great book written for students um, entitled that, Don't Check Your Brains at the Door, and that we as followers of Jesus and Judeo-Christian ethic, we should be great thinkers and great philosophers. And so what I hope over the next few weeks is we watch these movies and think through them, that it challenges some of the things that you think about and some of the ways that you have thought about life and, and how you're doing some different things, because your, your thoughts and your actions move in the direction of your behavior. I can tell you what you what you think and what you believe by the way that you behave. As a matter of fact, that's one of the things that the world is looking at us as Christians. If you proclaim the name of Christ, we are to have a distinctive lifestyle. There should be something distinctive about us that draws people to Christ because of the way that we do life that's differently. We shouldn't have some of the same shame, pains, regrets, all that stuff that the world has because we've refrained from some of the things that would bring that to us. And so for us to challenge, this is not behavior modification, but this is transformation through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I want us to challenge us over the next few weeks of some fun movies. These are family-friendly movies. Some of the guys, when they walked out late in the first service, are like, hey, are we going to watch? And I was like, you can watch that on your own time, and we'll have coffee and talk about it. But these are family-friendly movies. And so today we're going to talk a little bit about the Lego movie. We're under construction here. So if you've watched the Lego movie, you know that. And there was this wonderful song um, that was a part of the Lego movie that they sang. It was extremely annoying during the movie, but when you walked out, you were singing it. Does everybody, not everybody, do a few of you know that song? At least the phrase, all right? So on three, you're going to sing it, okay? Because I promised my wife I would not sing out loud to you. All right, so on three, we'll do that. One, two, three. 
There you go. Very good. <clears throat> Some of you, uh, we will, you don't join the choir. All right. Everything is awesome. Okay. Which is true. There is that. But I want you to grasp this morning that the song says everything is awesome and it's even better when you're a part of a team. All right. If you follow through with the song. And so this morning, what I want us to grasp is everything is awesome. Everyone is awesome. But together as a team, God has brought us together. And so what I just want us to grasp this morning is the worldview that you are created uniquely and God has a specific place for you, uniquely created for you, because God does not make mistakes. So let me show you some things. Whenever I was growing up, there came a point where I went to the eye doctor and the eye doctor said to me, Chris, you are blind. And so I got some glasses. They were, you know, whenever you're a kid, you feel dorky because you got glasses. You don't look dorky, but you just feel dorky because it's a change or whatever. And so you got glasses. And here's the miracle is that the moment that I walked out of the eye doctor's store, I could actually see things that I hadn't previously seen. Isn't it amazing when you begin to lose sight or I've heard when you begin to lose hearing, these things happen gradually, but then when they're corrected, you automatically realize Man, I couldn't see, or man, I didn't realize how much I was missing, I couldn't hear, those kind of things. And so the same thing is true with our worldview, how we can be pushed in and we don't realize how everything is correcting us in a certain direction and how much we're missing out. And so this morning I want us to grasp this idea of worldview is this, is that you have need, all of us need corrective lenses and consistently go to the eye doctor, which is scripture, to challenge the prescription by which we're seeing the world. And there was something interesting that first time that I walked out of the eye doctor's place, I could actually tell that the trees had individual distinctive leaves and could see the colors and the beauty and the uniqueness of that. And the same thing is true for us is that we dig into God's word. We begin to see the distinctiveness of who God is and what he wants for us. And so that what is this meaningless glob of the world actually allows us to be focused in. And we see the world with clarity with which we didn't see it before. And so this morning and over these next few weeks, we're going to dig into that. Because, again, we as Christians should not just check our brains at the door, but we should be deep thinkers so that our love can be good, deep, wide love, that we love people in the right way for the right reasons because God has loved us. And so as we learn who God is and that he is this infinite person and we're finite, we're constantly learning. One of the things that sometimes people say is, you know, this, the gospel is simple, and the gospel is simple. However, God is complex because he is infinite. And so we should always, as Christians, be on a continual journey of learning more about who he is. Because if we ever get to the end of learning who he is, then he is finite and he's not God. God is infinite and will never, inexhaustible, we will never be able to find all the resources to understand everything about him. So for us as Christians, we should continually be learning and seeking. And so what we're doing is every time we do that, our eyeglasses are being corrected and we see things with a greater clarity because we're seeing things not through our eyes, but through his eyes. And this is not behavior modification. This is heart and mind transformation. And scripture tells us to renew your mind, to see things with newness and to think differently and to have a new heart and to see the world differently. This is how we then also are able to love our neighbors better because we see them and understand them in the way that God sees them and how he's loved them because of the way that he loves us. Here's another quote for you. The truth is that there is a distinctive Christian worldview. That is, there is a uniquely Christian way to think and act. 
Now, I know this is kind of scary for us is because sometimes as Christians, we're known for what we're against. I mean, if you were to go out into the world and say, hey, what do you think Christians are against? You would get certain different things. We don't even have to list them. But here's what I want you to get is that we should be known for how we love. Number one, because of the way that we love, that should be distinctive about us. Even though a few weeks ago when we taught on Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47, one of the things, the ways that the early church was distinctive from the rest of the community was the fact that they loved well. And so that for us as Christians, that we should be good lovers. And the way that we should be good lovers, how does that happen? Because of the fact that our heart and our mind has been changed and we begin to look and act and think like God. So our glasses and our worldview is being changed. And for us to think deep. Somewhere along the way, there's been this confusion that if you're a Christian, you're not smart and you're not thinking. Some of the best scientists, some of the best doctors, some of the leading people in thought are actually Christians. And one of the things that they will tell you is the fact that I can understand and see who God is. And from that, that gives me the capability and the foundation to jump off into places that I would never have gone and tried because who God is. And God's a God of order and not of chaos and all kinds of different things. That's a whole different message. But... There are smart, smart people doing some incredible things, and they say to you, for us as Christians to continue to think deep. Another quote, I learned that Christianity was to be applied to every area of life and culture and that thinking was the Christian thing to do. Again, for us as Christians to have our mind renewed and to think deep. As a matter of fact, in your notes this week, I put some resources for you to think about, to read Maybe, you, maybe you're not a reader, but you can do an audible book or something like that, some podcasts. And again, to challenge us to begin to think of how we can be deeper thinkers because our thinking changes our activity and how we do things. Your worldview and your worldview is influence, influences your values. So all of us have some core values. You say, hey, this is something that's a part of my life that, you know, some of you are um, healthy eaters. This is a part of my life. Some of you are really good at finances and you don't go into debt. And so this is a value in your life. Some of you have certain things. And so you have core values. And as a parent and as a grandparent, you maybe those are the moments that you kind of refine your core values because those are the things that you're passing on to your kids. And so you're teaching your kids, hey, do not steal, do not cheat, do not all these different things. Those are core values, and those core values come from your worldview, and then your values also dictate how you behave. So the reasons that we discipline our children is because their behavior does not line up with your values, which also doesn't line up with your worldview. And so here God deals with us when we step outside of his out of boundaries because he doesn't want us to have pain, shame, regret, remorse, all those things. And so our behavior is showing that our values aren't in line with our worldview and that our glasses need to be changed. And so that our, our sight needs to be changed and challenged by that. And so this passage in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Now, that word masterpiece is the word poem. We get our word poem from it. And poem is a unique, one-of-a-kind piece of art. As a matter of fact, it's even the word for tapestry. So if any of you have ever seen a, a beautiful piece of tapestry on the front end, you can see the art. You can see the, maj- the majesty of it, the uniqueness of it. You're, you're in awe of what it looks like. But then you step behind the backside of the tapestry, and it's a mangled mess. 
The struggle for us is we have a tendency in our humanness to look on the backside of the tapestry and to focus in on what we see as the mangled mess. And so we're like, oh, God, you made the mistake here. You made this mistake here. God, why would you do this with me? Why would you do that? And all this different. So we focus on all those different things and forget to step around on the other side where God is looking and seeing the artwork and the unique masterpiece that he's creating out of us and saying, you are unique, one-of-a-kind piece of art. Whenever you go to the store and you buy a doll or you buy something for your child, you buy a doll and they're pretty much the same. They've just kind of stamped them. They've got a mold and they make doll after doll after doll after doll after doll. And we have a tendency to think of ourselves in that way, is that we're just one in a manufacturing thing and that God just kind of stamps stuff out. This passage here makes clear to us that God made you and he broke the mold. Some of your parents are saying, thank goodness. All right. But God made you and broke the mold. What he's saying is he did not make a mistake with you. He had a purpose and an attention and he created you and knitted you together inside of your mother's womb. And he made a masterpiece, even though we may look on the backside of the tapestry and see mess on the other side. He sees beauty and uniqueness and purpose and a plan. And he had an agenda when he created you. He had stuff for you. Now, the second part of this is he created his unique masterpiece, but then he also at some point offered an invitation to you about Jesus. And if you said yes to Jesus, then what happens with this unique masterpiece? It says he created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that unique masterpiece gets melted down and then mysteriously, this is the mystery of the gospel. When you say yes to Jesus, the Holy Spirit takes residence inside of you. So as this passage tells us, a new substance becomes a part of us, and then he reshapes us back into that masterpiece that everyone sees, but inside the mystery of the gospel takes place, and the Holy Spirit has taken residence. And so now, not only are you a unique person that has unique talents, passions, skills, mindset, but now also through being recreated through Christ, you are now made holy for holy works and for holy jobs. So think about that. The reason that I'm here is because God has uniquely created me and given me gifts and talents to do this and impassioned me to do the holy work of this. For some, it's also that the holy work may be in the nursery changing dirty diapers. And you're thinking, what in the world? There's gold in them, their diapers, right? You are created uniquely to do some of the things. What I'm saying is that there are places all over here that Chris cannot do. Because I'm not gifted in that way. I'm not passionate about it. I don't have that skill set. All those different things, they're not even there. Plus, that's not God's calling on my life. And that seriously, if I were to step into that role, I would be robbing from you the opportunity to be a part of the body and to use the gifts and talents and passions and the holy calling that God has given for you. God has created a unique masterpiece in you, and if you've said yes to Jesus, the mystery of the gospel, the Holy Spirit has then set you apart for holy works. Look at this last part. So we can do the good things, literally the God things he has planned for us long ago. So in other words, this is not a coinky dink. This is not a mistake. This is not a whatever the stars have aligned. God planned long ago for you. And so when he thought of you, he planned you, he knit you together uniquely. And then he offered an invitation for you so that he, the plans that he made long ago may be fulfilled through you. 
And so he planned for you long ago. He created you exactly. All the things that you don't like about you, God put as a part of you because he planned for you to be able to come along somebody else's life and to say, listen, if God can do something with this mess, he can do something with your mess. And so God created a unique masterpiece in you, and he did not make a mistake. He planned long ago, he invited you, and he planned long ago so that here forward, there are opportunities for you to be a part of the body of Christ here at Cross Point Community Church on June 6th at 11.15, because he has a plan and a purpose for you. That's how intimately involved God is in your life. Everybody is awesome. Everything is awesome, and together we have great things that we can do together. As a church body, there are things that God wants to do, but somewhere along the way we're looking at the backside of the tapestry and we're saying, I'm not smart enough, or I'm new to church, I don't know all the stories, or whatever it is in here that you're listening to the lies and saying, whatever, God's on the other side saying, but I see a beautiful child. I see a unique masterpiece. I see something that I created that you have a wonderful voice or you have a passion for kids or you have a passion for parking lots. I don't know. Whatever it is that God's given you a passion for, we need it. And you're robbing from yourself and you're robbing from the kingdom. And as a matter of fact, you may be a part of someone, one person coming to know Jesus. Because we have bought into the lie that we're not a masterpiece. And God hasn't made us prepared for the holy things that he wants us to do. Have you ever thought about that changing a diaper in the nursery is a holy thing? I'm serious. That's how God views that, that everything comes together. The things that you think, the pinky toe that you think doesn't matter. When you break a pinky toe, you know that it matters. You feel it. And as a church... We feel it when the pinky toe hurts, when we're not doing some of those things. And so you are a masterpiece created uniquely in God's image and recreated in him. But he planned for you. It is not a mistake. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 and 5, just to reiterate it. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. Each one of us has a role. Again, you are unique, and God has a role for you. So it is with Christ's body. We have a special function. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. Everything is awesome, and when we do it together, it's even better. Some of the best friendships that I have with people are we're working side by side, shoulder to shoulder, in church, and BBS, or around the world, doing different things, and it's hard, it's sweaty. Somebody that I would probably never hang out with, we're there, and we're laughing, and we're telling stories, and it's shoulder to shoulder, it's together, and you're in different spots, and you're in different places, and because you have those shared experiences, the beginnings of deep friendships begin to happen. So some of the people that I can call at 2 a.m., I would have never chosen in the first beginnings of seeing them and begin the conversation, probably would have never chosen to be deep friends. But going places and doing things and serving together and seeing their heart and them seeing my heart and us beginning to see, hey, listen, there's, we have a lot in common. We have a lot of things. And God did not make us sick and plan long ago for those moments when we're in the middle of a Thailand digging a well together and trying to figure this stuff out, that they may not even speak the same language originally, but together we get together and talk and do life on a deep level because of who Christ is and those moments that we did life together. And the same is true for you. 
Same is true for you. The opportunity that God has uniquely made you and planned for you to do holy good things that only you can do. Over these next few weeks, we're going to be digging into several different movies. I think next week the movie is Soul. Don't quote me on that. We'll put it out. But the movie is Soul. And what again, what I want to challenge you to do is to think deep, to ask questions. So sit around your family table after you watch the movie, ask some of the questions, read some of the resources, and think about how is media influencing me. Maybe even this week, let's challenge our minds to begin to filter some things and say, hey, listen, there's some media that I bring in, whether it's TV, whether it's movies, whether it's books or whatever. Maybe there's some things that are influencing my life in a way that I need to reframe that and think about, is it just entertainment or is it stuff that's potentially influencing my mind and my heart and my soul? And is it renewing me? Is it bringing life to me? And ask some of those questions. Begin to ask of, listen, I want to be someone that has thinking deep in a way that my mind is being renewed and transformed, my heart and my soul and my vision is being transformed so that I am distinctive in my way that I live and do life in such a way that someone may be drawn to Jesus because there's something distinctive about my life. That the mystery of the gospel is this, is that you are created anew in Jesus when you say yes to him and that people long to be around you because you're life-giving, because they understand that you are for them and they begin to see that you more are for them than the things that maybe you, that they know that you're against because you're a follower of Jesus. Listen, the world knows what we're against, but may they begin to know what we're for. And that as we begin to understand who Jesus is and study deep about him and begin to see the worldview that he has, it will change our eyesight for our neighbors and those around us. We'll begin to love deeply and widely because our thinking is beginning to change. That is the premise for us over these next few weeks is to not check our brains at the door, to think about the things that we bring into our life and how they influence us. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just admit to you that there are so many things that we allow in our life that are not life-giving, that are not mind-renewing, that are not heart-refreshing. Father, sometimes in the guise of entertainment, sometimes just because we're bored, Father, I pray for each one in this room that those that have said yes to you, that there's a distinctiveness about them. There's a distinctiveness about us. And as your scripture says, that as we pursue Jesus, that people will look at us and call us fools. Father, I pray that you would give us tough skin to receive that not as harmful words, but as words of encouragement. That, Father, that when someone were to call anyone in this room as a disciple of Jesus a fool, because we're living life differently, that we would say, yes, people are noticing that I'm pursuing you. There's a distinctiveness of the way that we're loving our neighbor, the way that we're doing things, something about our generosity, the way that our relationships look, the way that our finances look, the way that everything about our life, that every area of our life 
when put up against God's word is relevant and true and life transformation can happen in each area if we allow you to do it. Everything and everyone is awesome. And together, you have a great plan for us. Individually, Father, I pray that if anyone in this room is struggling with the thought of they are not a masterpiece, uniquely created by you, Father, that they would hear the truth today of your word. Not Chris's word, but your word. That we are created a unique one-of-a-kind tapestry, piece of artwork that you do not make junk, that the mold has been broken. You did not make a mistake. It wasn't a bad day at the office. But that each one of these people in this room matters because you created them uniquely and you have a plan long ago for them. And that maybe even some of the things that we see as defaults or or bad things that we're dealing with, that, Father, that even those things, you are not surprised by them, that you put us together in such a way that there are going to be opportunities in the days days ahead to share our story of how if even I'm a mess, (laughs) he could deal with your mess. Father, I pray that if there's someone in this room today that has not said yes to the invitation to Jesus, that today's that day. That, Father, this is not about behavior modification of checking off doing good or bad, but, Father, it's about a heart. It's the mystery of the Holy Spirit taking residence, God himself taking residence with inside of us and changing our appetites and our mindset and our purpose and that we pursue holy things, good God things, instead of the things that bring us shame, pain, or Father, their appetites. And so, Father, I pray that if someone in this room has not said yes to you, today is that day. And this is how simple it is. If you need to say yes to Jesus, this is how simple. Jesus, I need you. This is your prayer. Jesus, I need you. I need you. I need Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the cross for me began to transform my heart and mind and soul today. If you pray that prayer, that's, that's, that's the beginning. God is melting you down in the new substance and raising you up, and he has holy things planned for you. Father, I pray that each one as we leave here in a few minutes, that you confirm in our minds and in our souls that you know us, you love us, you have not made mistakes with us, you have plans and purposes for us. May we turn the music on that's from you and your voice and not the deceiver's voice. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.